This is a weekend edition of Bigger Pockets Daily. I'm your host, Tyler. This is the show where we read you a real estate article every day, 365 days a year. Because you can't read the Bigger Pockets blog when you're brushing your teeth or doing the books. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is Wall Street ruining the housing market? By Dave Meyer. Over the last several months, there's been a lot of hype about Wall Street driving up the housing market. I've seen a few dozen headlines about how no one can buy houses because large institutional investors are buying up all the houses. Being the skeptic that I am, I wanted to see if this is really true. Let's dig into the data and information to uncover what Wall Street's role is in today's red-hot housing market, as well as the risks Wall Street poses to both home buyers and small-time investors in the long term. To do this, I looked at some data from Redfin, which shows that the share of homes that are purchased by investors is currently at 15.9%. For context, this is still a bit below where we were pre-pandemic, when investors were buying about 16.1% of all homes in the U.S. Now, measuring the share of investors is pretty tough, but I looked through a few reports from Redfin, John Burns Real Estate Consulting, and CoreLogic, all respected firms in the real estate industry. And while they all had different methodologies, they all showed similar patterns. Investor home buying has not reached new heights since the pandemic, and some reports, like from John Burns, show that investor home buying peaked around 2013. This provides a strong indication that investor activity is not leading to the surge in home prices. Nothing has really changed with respect to what percentage of homes are being purchased by investors. By all accounts, Wall Street investor activity is either lower than or, at worse, equal to 
smaller-scale investor activity over the last decade. If we want to focus on large investors, recent data is tough to come by. However, a 2018 CoreLogic survey estimates that only about 1% to 2% of all single-family purchases were made by large investors, whereas about 18% were made by small investors. Another data point suggests that, as of today, Wall Street's activity is not fueling this chaotic housing market. Instead, the housing market is being fueled by the fundamentals. Extremely low inventory, growing demand from millennials entering the home-buying age, low interest rates. The current housing market is more a function of these three factors than it is the activity of institutional investors. However, that might be about to change. These institutional investors are not dominating the housing market yet. But they have some serious advantages over regular home buyers or small-time investors like myself. And this has me concerned for what might happen in the coming years. Who are these Wall Street investors anyway? So as we dive into this topic, let's first define who these Wall Street or institutional investors really are. The biggest of all companies is Invitation Homes, which, to no one's surprise, is an offshoot of BlackRock, the world's largest asset management company. Invitation Homes owns about 80,000 single-family residences across 16 markets in the U.S., which is undoubtedly huge. In fact, it's so huge that they are about 58% larger than one of their closest competitors, American Homes for Rent. But, to keep this in perspective, there are about 16 million single-family rental homes in the U.S., and Invitation Homes owns about 0.5% of them. There are an estimated 80 million single-family residences in the U.S., and Invitation Homes owns just one-tenth of one percent of that. To reiterate, companies like this are big, but they're not currently controlling the housing market. However, Companies like Invitation Homes have massive advantages over individual investors and regular home buyers. These advantages mean they can outcompete almost everyone, and therefore, will probably only increase their acquisitions. Let's break down the advantages they have over small investors. Financing. Right now, interest rates are incredibly low for regular buyers, and that's great. If you or I were to go out and look for a mortgage, we could probably get a 30-year fixed for somewhere around 3 or 3.5%. It's close to the lowest it's ever been. Invitation Homes, on the other hand, can borrow at something like 1.5%. That may not sound like a lot, but it means they can bid $10,000, $20,000, or maybe even $30,000 or more on a house and still pay the same amount on their loan that you and I would for a smaller loan. In short, Institutional investors can offer more on a house and pay the same. A huge advantage. Cash offers. The second is cash offers. Heard of anyone losing out to cash offers recently? I sure have. Well, not all of those are from institutional investors, but you can be sure that institutional investors can and will make cash offers and either hold the properties in cash or refinance later. This gives them a huge advantage in winning good deals. They can close in a matter of days when regular home buyers have to wait weeks or months. Data and research. The third advantage, 
is data and research. We at BiggerPockets are working hard to bring our members, who are almost all relatively small investors compared to these companies, as much data and research as we can. But these companies have teams of data scientists building algorithms to predict which properties and markets will yield the best returns. Not many people have access to that. Patience. The fourth advantage is patience. These companies don't need somewhere to live. They just want to chase the best returns. They could wait as long as they want to find a good deal. Regular home buyers often don't have that luxury. Efficiency of scale. The fifth advantage is the efficiency of scale. I told you earlier that Invitation Homes has about 80,000 residences. They absolutely have multiple teams of maintenance people, leasing agents, property managers, and more. They can use their purchasing power to source materials for cheaper, and they can rehab properties for cheaper. In general, the larger you become, the more efficient you get. And that is definitely true of these companies. Market share. The sixth, and perhaps most concerning of all these advantages, is market share in individual markets. I said earlier that these companies aren't controlling the housing market on a national scale, but they could on a local scale. There was a report that Invitation Homes actually bought 90% of the inventory in a single zip code in the early 2010s. Again, that won't move the whole housing market, but this essentially gives Invitation Homes a monopoly on housing in this local market. They can outbid normal homeowners who just want to find a primary residence. And then, when those homeowners turn to renting, they are facing the prospect of renting from a massive corporation that owns a large chunk of the rental inventory in your area, giving them pricing power over rent. This has the potential to truly spiral out of control. We already have an affordability problem in American real estate where everyday Americans and individual investors cannot afford to get into the market. If big institutional investors start targeting a specific market, that market could really get out of control. They could start dictating pricing in both the housing and rental markets in any area where they get sufficient market share. And let's be clear. This is their stated business model. They are concentrating on specific types of markets like Charlotte, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Las Vegas. And we should expect those markets to see massive increases in both housing prices and rents in the coming years if this trend continues. And their tactics seem to be working. All these advantages are leading to strong performance. Invitation Homes has a portfolio of about $16 billion and collects about $1.9 billion in rent, which is almost exactly a 1% rent-to-price ratio. This means that their portfolio as a whole is meeting the 1% rule, which is increasingly difficult to find for smaller landlords and individual investors. Also, the types of homes these companies buy tend to be the same ones individual investors like to target. Mid-price range fixer-uppers that make good rentals. Because these companies can bid more, oftentimes using cash, and renovate at lower costs, it gives them a structural advantage over the individual investor. In today's podcast, I've mainly focused on invitation homes, and although they're far and away the biggest, they are just one example. There are dozens of other companies out there like this. So, what to do about it? Should you just throw in the towel and buy stock in these giant companies? No way! 
There are still good deals to be had, and if you're diligent and do your research, you should be able to find them. Like I stated before, interest rates are low, and long-term supply constraints and demographic trends indicate that the housing market is likely to show solid gains over the next decade, even if there happens to be a temporary slide in prices. Most importantly, don't forget you have advantages too. The Small Investor's Advantages You know your market better than any algorithm ever could. This is coming from a guy who went to graduate school to study algorithms. You care more about any individual deal than any corporation ever could. These companies are looking at macroeconomic trends so they can find a market in which to buy hundreds, if not thousands, of residences. You, on the other hand, can hustle and find the one or two great deals in your neighborhood. You're more creative. If you're just looking at a few deals at a time, you can figure out the best way to add a bedroom, improve the value, and generate better returns. You can devote more time to making sure each deal produces a great return than any of these companies can. They are going to make their operations as generic as possible and do everything the same exact way. You can do the opposite. You may not be better at buying 200 units, but you can sure be better at buying just one. Lastly, you can be a better landlord. By all accounts, being a tenant in one of these companies' units can be a miserable experience. You, on the other hand, can provide an amazing experience for your tenants. By finding great tenants and developing strong relationships built on mutual respect, you can reduce your vacancy rate, reduce wear and tear on your properties, and ensure you have excellent tenants for years to come. By no means should we all panic. Individual home buyers and small-time landlords still have advantages. Investing in real estate is the best way for everyday investors like you and me to achieve financial stability and independence. But the activity of these big firms is something to monitor. I plan to continue following what's happening in this space for myself. And you, too. There you have it. You can find a link to that article in the show description. Sometimes the discussions in the comments section are just as insightful as the article itself. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and don't worry, we've got more shows in the pipeline to get you in the right state of mind going into this next week.